Welcome to Mastering Your Happiness podcast. I'm your host, Usna Living, a stress management trainer and cancer survivor. This podcast is here to equip you with life-changing skills so you can finally live a happy and fulfilling life. Today's episode is about something that myself and so many other survivors have had to struggle with. The moment that we transition from being a cancer patient to being a survivor. And the first two years post-treatment for me were amazing. I had so many things done in my life. I had a lot of passion. I had a lot of hope. But then suddenly, and I say sudden because it was, I started struggling with something that I couldn't understand myself. You know, this this one morning I'm preparing to go for a meeting and then I notice a slight sensation in my chest. I remember just going numb. I froze because I knew what that sensation was. I recognized that sensation. It was almost similar to what I felt before being diagnosed. I was just so scared. And on my way to the meeting, those were the longest 20 minutes I can remember of I kept trying to decode what that sensation might have meant. And just before the meeting started, I met one of my mentors, Josephine. And of course, she noticed I wasn't my optimal self. We got talking and I remember that I kept telling her, I can't do it all over again. I just can't. I, I got my life back and I can't imagine doing treatment all over again. She did calm me down a little bit, but I had to schedule a visit to the hospital the same day. And what's interesting is that I already had my follow-up scan earlier that week. So this was the second time in the same week going back to the hospital. I asked the doctor to have a chest x-ray done for me to be sure. I received the results and things were okay. And I wish I could say that this was the last time I freaked out and panicked. But for the better part of last year, that is half of it really, I kept having this kind of stressful situations engrossing my life. I had a lot of flus that kept messing up my blood count and I kept rushing to the hospital over and over again asking for extra tests to be done. I had gotten to this point where my awareness was so heightened over every single ache or sensation in my body. I kept frantically checking. I kept pressing my chest, trying to feel if there was some sort of hidden pain that I was not aware of. And I knew this was a problem when I got home one time at around 10 p.m. Because on one of my impromptu visits to the hospital, I had requested for an echocardiogram that my insurance covered in a hospital that was a bit far. By the time I was receiving the results for my echocardiogram, it was around 8 p.m. And getting back to my house, it was 10 p.m. I noticed that this was a problem and I needed to do something about it. I did this on a weekday, which meant I missed work. And in addition to that, I missed my evening classes. This constant worry and fear had gotten to a point that it was interfering with the quality of my life. So I turned to the one place that I knew I could get a few answers. I did a few keyword searches in our support group on Facebook. And I got a number of people who were having the same problem. That I was experiencing, I took a screenshot of a few of those posts. One of them says this, I'm afraid to sleep tonight. Last night I had more nightmares or PTSD dreams as my psychiatrist calls them. I get them every week or so. They range from relapsing to relieving treatment or relieving the weeks leading up to my diagnosis. It doesn't help that I have symptoms that I had prior to getting sick. But those same symptoms can be just new normal for me or just regular icky bugs. I have a standing order at the local urgent care to check my CBCs when I feel worried, but I hate using it because I know I'm fine, yet in my head, I worry. So here I lay at 3.10 in the morning, unable to sleep because I fear the nightmares that await me. Two and a half years in remission, does it get better? Does the anxiety of relapse ever go away? And here's the second post that I took a screenshot of. Fast forward to yesterday, 
I found two small bruises on my right forearm. One is tender, the other isn't. The last night I found one large on my left calf and a medium one on my right calf. I had to take my extra anxiety med last night. I called my hematology clinic today to try and get a peace of mind. I don't want to be labeled as the girl who cried wolf. How do we ever let go and stop worrying and move on when every little thing or symptom that I have sets me on this path of anxiety? I'm in remission, but I'm afraid my cancer still has its grip on me. Just one in a life and death situation. The last screenshot that I took says, I see so many people talk about chest pain, aches, and sensations post-treatment. I'm 20.5 months post-treatment and I've been having sensations mainly to the right of my chest and sometimes to the left. The scan is clean, but I'm scared. End of quote. And I saw more and more of this in the group, others having struggled with it for eight, nine years. So I called up a friend of mine with whom we shared an oncologist and were neighbors in India to have a conversation about this. And she too had had a rough year due to the frequent flus. And she kept having this constant worry that maybe, just maybe the illness was back. Seeing so many people writing about this and talking to my friend helped me acknowledge that this was a common problem. But I knew that I had to find out more about it from a clinical perspective because it wasn't just normal fear or worry. So I did an extensive research in, in books, journals, articles, academic papers. And this kind of emotional turmoil for cancer survivors has a term. It's known as FCR. This episode will help you manage the fear of recurrence by understanding what it is from a clinical perspective. What are its causes? What are the triggers, coping strategies, and just basically helping you transition from a cancer patient to a survivor by dealing with that constant worry that you might relapse. Every survivor has the normal fear of recurrence. In fact, after treatment, we are always told to be on the lookout and do all your scans so they can catch it early, when and if it ever returns. And several studies show that 80% of survivors report some level, the normal level of fear of recurrence. But this normal response can then move into the clinical fear of recurrence. This severe form of fear of recurrence averagely shows up around one and a half years post-treatment, and especially for younger patients. So how do you know that the response you're exhibiting is normal or clinical? If you have excessive personal examination behavior, such as body checking, monitoring sensations, and an automatic interpretation that any form of body sensation is a sign of recurrence, then that is one of the characteristics of clinical FCR. Another one is the frequent seeking of reassurance by requesting extra medical examinations. If you keep going back to the hospital for more reassurance from your doctor, if you have frequent visits whereby you are asking for extra tests yourself, that is also one of the characteristics of clinical FCR. Another one is having heightened awareness of physical symptoms. And this, this is so real for me because I used to have chest pains before being diagnosed. Right now, I'm so aware of any type of anomaly. Another one, and this is something that most people with clinical FCR struggle with, is that constant presence of frequent and persistent intrusive thoughts. You keep having these intrusive thoughts about relapse or what you might have gone through during treatment. Another one is avoidance of situations. Any situation that reminds you of cancer or treatment. And then lastly, we have difficulties in making plans for the future. If you find yourself not planning about how your future will pan out, there's a high chance that you're suffering from clinical fear of cancer recurrence. So what causes this clinical FCR? 
According to research, there is a correlation between the type of treatment that you received and the level of FCR. So for those people who had a mastectomy, radiation, or chemotherapy, there is a high level of clinical fear of recurrence. And one of the reasons could be because of how intensive that treatment was, and you might be dealing with post-traumatic stress symptoms, or it could be because you've been educated on chemo-induced cancers, those that come about because you are treated with chemo or treated with radiation. Another cause that I came across was those people who have more physical symptoms. So let's say you lost a lot of weight before you were diagnosed. Right now, if you lose a bit of weight, you automatically start fearing for the worst. In my case, I used to have chest pain. So if I feel anything in my chest, even if I'm trying to cough and I feel any slight discomfort, I automatically go back to this is not okay. And I found this third cause to be very interesting for me. Several studies have reported that 62% of adolescents and young adult survivors have a very high level of fear of recurrence. On another platform, we can dive deeper into why this particular age, 15 to 39 years, are being affected more by the FCR. Another cause is memories of misdiagnosis in the past. I mean, it's rare to find a survivor who was, and I put this in quote, who was diagnosed in time. Most of us took months, others took years to get the correct diagnosis. So with that memory in mind, and having been told that if it is caught earlier, then there are higher chances of getting better, you find yourself being so vigilant so that you can catch it in time. So memories of misdiagnosis in the past are also one of the causes for clinical FCR. And the last one is understanding a specific cancer type and your family history. Most of us understand the survival rates of the kind of cancers that we have had before. For those people who have been told that there is a higher chance for relapse, will definitely have clinical FCR. Then we look at the triggers. One of them is internal triggers. Anytime you have some sort of body sensation that you connect to what you used to feel pre-diagnosis, then that's automatically a trigger. Other triggers can be any upcoming medical appointments. In fact, it has it has a name in our group. It's called uh, Scanxiety. Yeah, so it's that kind of anxiety that you get just before your medical appointment. And I also noticed that the higher your level of fear of recurrence is, the more scared you are of medical appointments. In fact, sometimes someone can forego a medical appointment. So there are those of us who frequently visit the doctor for reassurance, and then there are those who avoid it altogether. Another trigger is hearing another person's diagnosis. I can't tell you how that has me so scared. And when I came across this information that that can act as a trigger, I started understanding why for the last few months of last year, I was avoiding having conversations over a cancer diagnosis or talking about someone who has been diagnosed. And then lastly, we also have media coverage. If I was watching something and then a cancer-related issue came up, I would just skip it or switch it off altogether. It reminds you of that constant fear and worry that you have to live under. And this whole thing can be so crippling because you keep telling yourself, I have to worry. What if I don't? And it comes back and it's too late. So I have to worry so that I can catch it early. But then once you worry, you go back to the hospital, you get reassurance that everything is okay. Now you worry about your worry. 
you start thinking that all this stress and all this worry will actually bring the cancer back. So it's, it's this vicious cycle of worrying about relapse. And when you get a confirmation that everything is okay, you now worry about you stressing yourself. So what are the coping strategies? What, what can you do? I think one of the most important things that worked for me is realizing that it is normal. You're not being a pessimist. You're not being mean to yourself. You're not trying to manifest an illness, but it is normal. Have that awareness that whatever you're going through is the same thing that happens to other survivors. Another thing that worked for me is getting support, getting social support, because you can't really talk to your friends about this. And they would mean well, but they wouldn't really understand what you're going through. Surround yourself with the kind of people who understand what you're going through. And I think these would be cancer survivors. For example, in my case, I can't just get up and start talking to you, my family, about this. Because this is something that the last time it happened really affected us as a family. And I have to think about how they would receive my worry and my fear. The third coping strategy would be uh, something in counseling that we call cognitive reframing or thought monitoring techniques. And I will simply put it as the fear that you have of the cancer coming back is just one of the many possibilities that are there in life. It does not mean that that is the only possibility that exists. It's just the one that you're entertaining the most. So monitoring such thoughts of you literally breathing life into one of the very many possibilities that are there and trying to reframe that into, yes, I am thinking about this, but it doesn't actually mean that this is what I'm going through. And I think one of the episodes that would help you would be episode six on my podcast, where I talk about how to deal with intrusive thoughts. I think that would be really helpful. The fourth coping technique is behavioral contracts about how you're going to, for lack of a better word, how you're going to conduct surveillance on your body. I also came across uh, breast cancer survivors who keep checking for the lump more than three times a day. And that is not normal. You need to have this contract with yourself that I am not going to do a self-examination until after 24, 48 hours. Just something that you've come up with with the oncologist. I don't know much about breast cancer survivors, but I think you can sit down and have a conversation around how frequently or how less should I be doing self-examinations? In my case, I needed to have this behavioral contract that I was not going to press any part of my chest to check for anything. And I started with 24 hours, 48 hours. You can go as much as you think you would handle emotionally. But then at the same time, ensure that you are going to the hospital for the checkups, looking at the scans, discuss any type of problem that you have with your doctor to ensure that you're also taking care of yourself. Another strategy is accepting that there's a lot of uncertainty that is brought about by a cancer diagnosis. Again, you're not being a pessimist, but there's so much uncertainty once you're a cancer survivor. Because I've never met anyone who has ever been told, you are perfect, your health is great, nothing is going to happen to you, just go and live your life, have fun. You are always told everything is okay for now. Keep going for follow-up scans so that we can check if and when it ever comes back. I think really accepting that there's a lot of uncertainty regarding this illness is very helpful. Another coping technique would be to control what you can. And for me, that had to be my lifestyle. Look at what do I think 
I would maybe work on? Would it be putting in more exercise or what can I take out of my diet? What can I add to my diet? Have a conversation with other survivors, but also be careful about the kind of information that you take in because not everything that's on the internet is actually true. Another technique is finding meaning in one's life and planning for the future. I don't think we realize how no one is actually certain about tomorrow, including those who have never received a cancer diagnosis. Nobody has any idea what their life will look like tomorrow. Nobody has this perfect and correct picture of what their life is going to look like tomorrow. Everyone is playing around with possibilities and goals, but no one is actually sure. So just because you have a cancer diagnosis does not mean you can predict your future. So go ahead and find meaning in your life and plan for the future and hope for the best at the same time. Another technique that I also use is mindfulness because it helps you um, self-regulate your emotions during distress. And if you've never done this, you can download an app by the name Insight Timer. That's the app I used to use when I got into meditation a few years ago. Right now, when I also need guided meditation, that's still the app I use. So hop on there. Try to look at what resonates with whatever you that you're struggling with at the moment. And the last and most important way for you to cope is actually going for therapy. Because with your therapist, you might work on exercises that help you shift your focus away from this frantic need to be absolutely in control, which as we've looked at does not exist anywhere in any domain. With your therapist, you'll be able to focus on some of the choices that are available to you based on your values, your strengths, instead of fueling your fears and vulnerability. And this wasn't an episode on whether or not one can relapse, but it's it's about being your best, being your optimal self, because no one, as I've said, including those without a cancer diagnosis, have any idea about how their tomorrow will look like. Just ensure that this normal response to being a cancer survivor, which is having a fear of recurrence, does not end up crippling your life. Thank you for listening to today's episode and if there's someone that you thought of while listening to it, that means they will greatly benefit from it. So do share it with them and I'd love to hold conversations with you on the same or something else. So please do send me a DM at Osna Living. That's on Instagram and Facebook. My website is www.osnaliving.com.